0: Turn to the scriptures with me, please. It's great to see the church packed again tonight. We welcome each and every one of you. It's so wonderful to see so many out in the house of the Lord this evening. Turn with me to the book of Acts, please. If you're too warm, feel free to take your jacket off. Or loosen your tie if you're wearing one of your shirt or whatever you need to do. Make yourself more comfortable. Acts chapter 5, please. We're going to start reading from Acts 5 and verse 28. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a saviour. For to give repentance to Israel, and forgiveness of sins, and we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. You know, the Lord will bless the reading of His own precious and inspired Word in public. But we're just going to bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord for His blessing upon the Word tonight. Father, would You bless Your own inspired Word tonight? Would you bring all things to my remembrance? And would you help me, Lord, in my frailties and inabilities to be able to speak forth your word with truth, but also, Lord, to speak forth your word that Christ would be glorified, the church would be edified, and, Lord, that we would leave this place the better for being here because we're in your presence and under your sound of your word. We ask you, Father, that you would give me an ability to be able to rightly divide this tonight. And may the Holy Spirit... Take each and every one of us, as it were, to that place, Lord, where, uh, Lord, it's intimate. Intimate with you and with that person, with me, with us. And, Lord, may you cause time, as it were, to stand still. Will you give us listening ears and receiving hearts and teachable spirits. We pray, Father, tonight, Lord, ere this night be over, we pray. If there is one that does not know, the Lord Jesus Christ is our own, Lord, and personal savior, that tonight they will surrender themselves to Christ. And Lord we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Entitled this evening's message, Pre- Keep Preaching Jesus Christ in a Hostile Environment. Keep preaching Jesus Christ in a hostile environment. You see the environment we live in, I don't have to explain it to us to you, that the environment in which we live in at the moment in Ulster is becoming increasingly more and more hostile to the Word of God. It's becoming increasingly more and more hostile to the things of God and it's becoming increasingly more and more hostile to the children of God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that's antiquated now in many people's estimation and they would have us forget the Christ of God they would have us not to speak of him whether it's in workplace or wherever on the streets even sadly from the pulpits tonight we want to look at keep preaching you might say well I'm not a preacher you can talk you can talk preach in the sense that you can tell and witness for Christ wherever you are at whatever time you're there You are the one that the Lord has in front of that person in that place at that time. And we'll find it, you'll find it as a hostile uh, environment. I find, even from here, there's a hostile environment to the Word of God. Peter, along with some of the disciples here, now called apostles, were put in prison by the, 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 the high priests of Jerusalem from the temple. And the angel of the Lord came in our chapter, in verse 19 it says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Notice what he says, run away and hide. He doesn't say that. And the angel of the Lord doesn't tell them to water things down and be at ease with yourself and with every other man. No, he doesn't say that. And he didn't say, be afraid and collar in the corner. But he says, go stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life. So he sends them back out to do what they were arrested for. He sends them back out into the street. He sends them back into the temple of all places. Now the Jews held the temple as if it was an idol to them. It was more than just a building, it was an idol to them. The temple, the temple, they would have cried, worshipping the actual temple, rather the God who would come to the temple. And this is the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, along with other apostles, were now out of prison, the angel helping them to escape, and now they're back in the temple, and the high priests and the temple officers and the guards say unto them in verse 28 of our reading, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, And intended to bring this man's blood upon us. That's the charge that they gave to Peter and the apostles, the early disciples. Notice here, first of all, this was intimidation. Intimidation. We find that Christians are facing more and more increasingly intimidation. Intimidation by various means through various methods from government level and even in other church circles. Intimidation that you shouldn't preach Christ and him crucified and you shouldn't tell people that they are sinners in need of a savior. Intimidation uh, to these men didn't seem to hinder them nor hamper them. Institutional authorities were laying down their rules Rules to shut the mouths of these people. Rules to close down the sound, listen, of God's word in the temple where God was meant to be but was no longer there. Rules were set down for them to stop obeying the Christian God and to obey the God of the Jews. Living their lives before him, before their God would be an embarrassment in Jerusalem. That this man who died on a cross, was buried and has risen again, would be an embarrassment there. And while men and women are lost and heading to eternity without Christ, without hope and without help, these men wanted them to stop speaking about Christ. Notice, first of all, intimidation. Did we not command you, they said. Notice verse 28. Did we not command you? These authorities were telling these early Christians, the apostles, we are the rule. We are the head. We are in charge. We are the pontificate. Did not we command you? So there we have intimidation right away to the redeemed of God's elect. I notice this. Notice this. They wanted to shut them up and close the word off. They wanted to shut them up and close the word off. If I were to take you, for example, and you can read it when you go home for time's sake, but in Matthew chapter 6, about John the Baptist, and he has his head cut off at the behest uh, of the young woman who would dance for him um, Herodias' daughter, and, and he would cut off John the uh, Herod would cut off John the Baptist's head uh, for the sake of this young woman. I notice John the Baptist was known as the voice. He was prophesied as coming as the forerunner of Christ. He was coming, and he was preaching, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his path." He says, and so. Herod takes John the Baptist and has his head cut off. He was the voice. They cut off the voice from the land when they cut off the head of John the Baptist. Now the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 23 stands before Herod. And Herod had heard of Christ. And Herod wanted to see if he would perform for him, do some sort of miracle for him. But Herod were told, asked him many things, but Jesus would answer him, not a word. Notice, Jesus would answer him, not a word. Herod cut off the voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Herod cut off the head of John the Baptist, the voice, and so he shut off the word. The word of God in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the same as in the beginning, or with God. Christ was the Word incarnate. And when they cut off the voice, they cut off the Word. Now listen, when I was reading this yesterday, and it's jumping out at me, I have to say, I said, Lord, I see it, I see it, that the government levels, even as they tried to shut off the Word from the apostles preaching in Acts chapter 5, even now in 2020, they're trying to cut off the head of the church. They're trying to cut off the head, to cut off the voice that there be no more word of God in our nation and in our land. And that's what they're trying to do. How do they do it? Well, they do it through different avenues and in different ways. They bring in what's known as political correctness where we can no more or they think we should no more preach the undiluted gospel of the word of saving grace and we should never also point out the sin of the nation and the faults of government and the things of our land that are happening. So what they do is they shut up the voice. They cut off the head of the church as is that is on the ground, on the, on the earth. Now Christ is the head, I mean on the earth. If they can shut the mouth of the church, then the voice or the word of the Lord will soon be no longer in the nation and in the land. They cut off the head of John the Baptist. They cut off the voice. And when then Herod came to ask many things of him, it says he answered him not a word. There was no word left. Brothers and sisters, we have all of these lobbyist groups. And we have the Marxism and the socialism and the communism and the liberalism and the republicanism and all the things of our nation, of our land, And of our province in particular. We have it all here in Ulster. And if they cut off the voice of the church. Which they have done almost already. The water will be shut off. The flow will be shut off. The word will no longer be allowed to be preached from the pulpits. And men will be afraid to open their mouth. And the word of God will cease. That is what is happening in our nation This very day. You think about it. You think about it. You're not even allowed to pray with someone who's dying anymore if you're in a workplace. You're not allowed to speak about Christ anymore in certain workplaces. And if you mention the name of Jesus in certain places in society, you are one who's a bigot. You're hard. And of course, did you know that when you're called a bigot, did you actually know that it is a, it's a wonderful thing for you to be called? Did you know that? Do you know how that's a wonderful thing? That's a compliment to be called a bigot. I'll tell you why. Because at the time of the Roman church, and the reformers broke away from the Roman church, they, were called, they called the early reformers the bagotes or the bagots. And it meant these people, these reformers, called or said of themselves, "This is what Rome said that they say of themselves: they are begotten of God." And it's where the word bigot comes from. They called them bigots. So when somebody calls you a bigot for standing for the Word of God, say thank you very much. I'm begotten of God. Are you begotten of God tonight? Are you afraid to open your mouth for Christ? Are you afraid to praise Him wherever you'll go tomorrow? Are you afraid to speak about him no matter what it costs you? Brothers and sisters, we must keep preaching Jesus Christ in a hostile environment because if you think it's going to get better, it's only going to get worse. Notice this their intimidation was, Did not we command you? Don't you dare speak about that man. And don't you dare mention those things from the Bible. And don't you dare mention Jesus Christ in this workplace. And don't you dare. The political correctness. Uh, uh, the, the, the people will be coming and they'll, they'll form all sorts of, of, of things against you. And they'll hate you all because you love the Lord. They'll despise you. And they'll be hostile toward you. All because you love the Lord and you love their soul. But they don't want to know the truth of the Word of God. secondly, First of all was intimidation. Secondly, there's accusation. Notice what it says here, Acts chapter 5. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Notice, behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. If this accusation was put to many today, it would cause them to make excuse for what they've said. I want to say it again. If this accusation was put to many preachers, ministers of the gospel, and Christians today, it would make them have excuse for what they have said. Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. It would make them cause and make excuse as to why this happened. They would play down the accusation so as not to look bad or not even to seem to get themselves into bother. This accusation of the high priest was a wonderful, you ready? Was a wonderful witness and testimony to the effect, effectiveness of the preached word of God. Can you imagine if people were to come and say to us, see you people in CET, You've filled Guilford with uh, your doctrine with the Word of God. You've filled Portadown or Tandrughey or Banbridge or, or wherever you live. Can you imagine what it would be like? Oh God, would you give it to us that the accusation would be laid upon every man and woman in this place of this assembly, of this part of the body of Christ that we would have the accusation that we have filled Ulster with the doctrine of Of the word of God. Brothers and sisters. Sometimes we hold back. And we make excuse. We make excuse because people accuse us. You know what you've done. You've brainwashed people. See if I had a pound. For the amount of times people have messaged me. And said you're brainwashing people. I'm not brainwashing people. We're bloodwashing people. We're bloodwashing. Notice this. Ye have filled Jerusalem. With your doctrine. Oh, for the accusation to be led at the church again. Oh, for the accusation to be cast in the teeth of preachers again, including myself. You have filled this place with your teaching. You filled this place with the Word of God. You filled this place with the Gospel. You filled these streets and these homes and these lives and these families and these marriages. You filled our towns and our cities with the Word of God. Praise the Lord if that was thrown at us tonight. I was meeting someone Friday. I went into a Christian bookshop with a coffee shop at the back. You'll probably know where it is, but I'll not mention it. I'm sitting having a chat with them and someone came out and it was really strange the way it happened. So I was talking to this person and they came out and they said the two like CDs are they yours? I went no I didn't bring anything here. And they turned them over and lo and behold they were from CET. And I says no they're not mine. And she says we were told in case someone left them behind they were sitting here and I think someone maybe has forgotten them. I says no they weren't from me. And she says, but this man, I think, was called Ken. I says, that's my name. I think he was a pastor. And I went, well, I am. But they're definitely not mine. But I think they've got the name mixed up, you see. And the thing was, someone is going around putting the word of God wherever they can find somewhere to put it. No, the girl said, I'm going to leave them right here. And she put them on the shelf. She says, I'll leave them right there in case someone else wants to pick them up and take them home. What about we fill the whole of Ulster with the word of God? What about, brothers and sisters, us doing something for God that it would be laid upon us, thrust on us, cast in my teeth, ye have filled this land with your doctrine, with the word of God. Oh, that every believer had this made of them. And the effectiveness of the word of God would be known again In Ulster, that ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. So, thirdly, notice this. Thirdly, was their imprecation, their imprecation. Now, if you want to know what imprecation means, to uh, imprecatory prayers and psalms are in the Bible. I want to show you some of them. But imprecation simply means the art of calling down a curse. One who calls and invokes evil. And it's also thrown as an insult. So here they are. They are, have their imprecation toward the disciples. For example, Psalm 109 and verse 8. It's a prophetic psalm, but it's an imprecatory psalm. Let me just pick this one verse. Psalm 109 and verse 8. It says, let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Acts chapter 1 and verse 20. This is what the apostles said about Judas Iscariot. This was prophetic of Judas Iscariot and so Matthias took the office. Notice it wasn't only that this was prophetic and it was imprecatory. In other words, it was calling down as it were this curse. That is a God would come and take a dealing. That's the idea. When you and I think of a curse, we think of something satanic. But this means for God to come and deal with the enemies of God. For God to come. For example, again in Psalm 35, verses 5 and 6, it says, Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Verse 6. They be dark and slippery, let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Listen Christian. It's getting to the point and the place and the time. When we're going to have to start praying. In preparatory prayers again. In the spiritual realm. And in the natural world. We're going to have to start praying them. Because of the enemies. Of the gospel. Are sitting in our government. The enemies. Of our land are sitting in the chief seats. the imprecatory prayers are God take a dealing with this lot. Take a dealing with these people. Notice here if you want to write it down Psalms 5, 6, 35, 69 and 109 are all imprecatory prayers. And imprecatory Psalms. In the New Testament, Matthew 23, the Lord Jesus mentions seven woes on Jerusalem, or on the Pharisees and the scribes, I should say, in Jerusalem. We can't read them all, but I'll tell you the verses. You can look at them later. Read the whole chapter. Matthew 23, verses 12, 14, 15, 23, 25, 27, and 29. And they all begin with the same thing. It's, it's an imprecatory annunciation upon the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees in Jerusalem. Woe unto you, hypocrites. That's the way every one of them. Seven times in one chapter. Woe unto you, hypocrites, scribes, and Pharisees. That's why he says it. Like Christ prayed that. Christ proclaimed that. And then of course in Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 says Paul writes but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed. Notice the imprecatory writing of Paul. Let him be accursed. People would say that's not very Jesus like him to say that. Paul said that, not me. Let him be accursed. And he says in verse 9 as we said before so say I now again if any man preach another gospel unto you than that ye have received let him be accursed says it twice and again it is in precatory in its meaning and then of course in First Corinthians chapter 16 and in verse 22 listen to what Paul says if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ let him be anathema There's another one. Anathema means let him be accursed. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. He says, Maranatha, or the Lord cometh. In fact, uh, the anathema was what was known as the curse of the third level. I have done an evening and teaching on it, but this is what it gives the idea of. So the Lord tells us if a brother or sister has anything against one another, you go to that person in private to try and sort it out. Isn't that right? That's strike one. If they don't heed, you come back, you take someone with you, strike two. If they don't heed, you bring it to the church, that's strike three. That's the third level. It's the same for this word accursed, or anathema, pardon me. It means Paul has said, I have written to the Corinthians once. I'm writing twice and I will come the third time. Let him be anathema, we've already spoken to him three times. So these things are in Old and New Testament. And finally on this point, Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. We're told that the souls under the altar cry, How long, O Lord, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? That's New Testament. That's all New Testament. Did you know they were in the New Testament? Because a lot of people think we float around in clouds playing our harp and polishing our halos. Brothers and sisters, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's time to bring it to God. It's time to bring Ulster to God. It's time to bring what's happening in government to God. It's time to bring Britain to God, the United Kingdom to God. It's time to bring Ireland to God. We have people from the Republic of Ireland who are friends of mine who watch every single time we're on here. And they support us. Support what we're saying as well. Because they realize that they have been overrun by the European Union. They're, they're a borough county, more or less of the European Union now. Their intimidation, their accusation, their imprecation. Acts 5 and verse 28. And this is what they're saying. This is the imprecation, right? And. In- it says, You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They're telling them, You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Nor is you are trying to, to preach to bring this blood upon us. See, it was innocent blood of Christ. It was the innocent blood that they shed. It was the innocent blood. And this was against the law of God. They went against the law they said that they upheld and they kept. They went against it, and so they knew, fine, rightly, when they cried, "His blood be upon us and upon our children." They knew that they were calling the curse upon themselves. Look what happened to them! Look at AD seventy when Titus took them all away. Look at the through the one and a half million were murdered and slain. Look at the throughout history and the times of the countries and the nations and. And how they were put out of countries. And they went to another one. They were put out of there. And they were, uh, uh, they, they were murdered. And they had all their goods taken from All sorts of things happened to them. It's because of this. But they knew this is the chief priests. And they're saying, Don't you dare talk about this man's name. For you intend to bring this man's blood on us. And they already had brought it on themselves. So the imprecation was not Peter calling it, but rather Peter was giving them the remedy. Peter was giving them the remedy. Notice their indignation here. This man's blood. This man's blood. They didn't even say his name. Wouldn't even say his name. This man's blood. In the parable in Luke 19... We can't read it all. In verse 14, the Lord speaks about a man going away and coming back to receive the kingdom, speaking of himself. And it says of them, Jesus speaks of them and says, But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And the Jews today, in general, and listen, and in Great Britain, You and I today in general, talking about our nation, we will not have this man to reign over us. We will not have this man to reign over us. Whether we want this man to reign over us or not, whether our nation wants it or not, Christ is coming to rule and reign, whether we want him to or not, but we do. We do. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 18 it says, they cried out all at once saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas when he was at his trial. Notice, away with this man. In John 11 and verse 47, it says, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. You see, they they couldn't bring themselves to mention his name. Their indignation was plain to see, and they wouldn't bring themselves to even say his wonderful name. Their indignation is seen in great contrast to heaven's adoration. Do you know that? Man's indignation is in contrast to heaven's adoration. For example, in Hebrews chapter 3, on verse 1, it says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession mentions his name, Jesus Christ. Consider the high priest, the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. In verse 3 they go on, For this man who we mentioned, Jesus Christ, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So brothers and sisters, in a world, in a society, in a hostile environment, we must keep preaching Jesus Christ. We sang it before we get down to the word of God. Jesus, name above all names. Notice here, the Lord Jesus warns his disciples and warns you and I in John 15 and verse 18. He says, "The world, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. See, when you go into work tomorrow or wherever you go tomorrow, See when you decide I'm going to take my stand and stab out and I'm going to stand strong for the gospel of saving grace in Christ, and I'm going to stand for the Word of God, and people hate you. They hate you. It's a hostile environment. Just remember this and it'll help you. They hated him first. They hated him first. I'd be more worried if you're a Christian and your workmates think you're wonderful all the time, because you don't speak about them, I'd be more concerned. They should hate you because they know you love him. The word will hate you, but you know that it hated me first. So notice here in Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, they said about Peter and the disciples of the apostles, they intended to bring this man's blood upon us. In other words, you're trying to preach damnation to us. Is not what the word says. Is not what you hear whenever you talk about Christ the Lord Jesus and the saving grace. Isn't that what the world tells you? When you tell them about the wrongs of living wrong, when you tell them about the things that are going on, whether it be in government or even many church levels, isn't it what they say? And you're too hard. You're too coarse. Oh, you're too strong. You're getting too deep. Oh, this Jesus thing, you're taking it too far. All of these sort of things. Isn't that what they say to us? Because even when you tell them, listen, you need saved. Well, I'm a good such and such, or I'm a good this, that, and the other. No, but you need saved. No matter who you are, you need saved. And they hate you for it. They detest you for it. And they're hostile towards you because of it. And why? Because to them, you're judging them. And to them, you're calling down a type of imprecatory prayers. It's like you're calling down fire from heaven on them. But really what you're doing is you're trying to show them the remedy. You're trying to show them the blessing that is in Christ. These leaders. Notice the imprecation was already upon these leaders. The apostles were showing them the remedy. Let me show you the remedy. Acts 5 verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, Here's your remedy first of all. You are adding The proclamation. We ought to obey God rather than men. Now do you see this hostile environment we're coming into? Freedom of speech is gone. Let's face it, it's gone. I heard they're trying to change the law that we can preach again. I hope so. Freedom of speech is gone. You're going to find that uh, you're not allowed to be able to speak this man's name. You're not going to be able to go to where you go to and say you're, you're a born-again believer and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And Freedom of speech will go and it will get worse to the point where now good is evil and evil is good as it is today. It will increase. It will get worse. And here's what's going to happen. You will come under severe hostility everywhere you go. Are you going to take your stand? Here's another question for you, Church. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ enough to take her stand? What about when government brings forth legislation, can to say that you aren't allowed to preach certain issues? I preach certain issues. And what happens when they say that you can't have to do uh, same-sex marriage? I will never do same-sex marriage. Never. Never. what happens when they tell you that you're not allowed to preach the name of Jesus? Brothers and sisters, you can mark me now. I will be preaching the name of Jesus Christ. It's coming to the place and time where we offer them a remedy, but in their sin and depravity, they see nothing but aggression from us. But it is love of the Scriptures. We ought to obey God rather than men is the proclamation. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 12 and verse 17. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God's of God. Notice, while we should obey the law of the land, brothers and sisters... Why we should obey the law of the land. Why we should honour. Why we should honour the rule of Her Majesty the Queen. I could say a lot about that at the minute and that other couple. Shame on them. Why we should pray for the leaders who are in power. Why we should never render the things of God unto man, and why we should why we should never contradict the word. Of God for the will of man. When it comes to the place. Where their government takes. That part which belongs to God. It's time for us to say no. No. The government will encroach more and more. And more. You watch this. And stop the us. To say no and no and no. We ought to obey God rather than man. Notice here, the proclamation comes from, listen to John Calvin. Listen to John Calvin, the Protestant reformer. Therefore, if a father, being not content with his own estate, do a say to take from God, The chief honor of a father. He is nothing but a man. A king or ruler or magistrate do become so lofty that he diminisheth the honor and authority of God. He is but a man. We must also think thus of pastors. Pastors who are lording it and taking the place of God. Those who are the vicar of Christ taking the place of Christ, they are just a man. I'm just a man. We're only men. We're not gods. And if a father, that is a natural human father, he was to take things from God as if he is God in the home, he's just a man, a magistrate, or a judge, or a king, or anyone else on the earth. You see, Christ alone is the head of the church. And Christ alone is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. Brothers and sisters, we must obey God rather than man. Listen, when I was writing this yesterday, I told you this morning, couldn't get anything. I couldn't get anything. And I said to Allison, my brain is dead. I can get nothing. And I went in early into my office and I sat in my study right through to about, I don't know, six or seven o'clock last night. And I eventually got it finished. I sort of thought when I was writing this, Lord, people are going to think, I'm banging on about this stuff. I just keep going on. It's like, I feel like a hamster on a wheel sometimes. Here we go again. Here we go again. Brothers and sisters, you know why I'm saying it over and over again? One, because I believe we'll be ready for what's coming. But another one, I'm going going over and over again that this assembly will be ready for what's coming. That you'll be able to say, we heard it. I'm going over it and over it again because I could tell you about lovely flowery hearts and feathers and puffy pillows and all little lovely love sick stories and all of these little things that you're hearing here, there, and everywhere. And brothers and sisters, what you could do is you'll go out of there no, uh, no more the wiser. I believe it's coming to our nation. Lest God steps in. Until God steps in. Let me say this. I believe the Lord is going to send a mighty revival. But he's going to let us get down. Not on our knees. But on our back. Before he sends it. Peter's proclamation was he must obey God rather than man. Now let's look at Peter's documentation. Notice what he says in verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus Whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. This is Peter's documentation. Documentation simply means material. That provides official information or evidence. It serves as a record. Peter is saying we have a record. Here's our documentation. First of all documented sin. Jesus whom ye slew. They know you you killed him. The Romans done the deed, but it shows their rejection by the calling for his death. They were documented as being guilty. In other words, it was the Jewish crowd who were crying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Away with him! We will not have this man to reign over us as such. It was they who were crying it, but the Romans carried out the deed. And listen, because the Romans carried out the deed, and they were the ones who called for it, then they are as guilty as the ones who carried out the deed. Do you want me to tell you something else? He bore your sin, and he bore my sin on his own body. You're as guilty. We are as guilty. We didn't put the hands, nails in his hands, nor the nails in his feet. We didn't put the crown of thorns in his head nor the whip of of lashes on his back. We didn't batter and beat and bruise him. The Roman soldiers did that, but our guilt was on him. Peter's documentation was Jesus whom he slew. Secondly, Peter's documentation was his death. It's the manner of his death. You hanged on a tree, he said. Crucifixion. Without turning to it, you can write it down and read it when you go home. Deuteronomy 21, Peter is asserting this. They know this. Peter is asserting this to these people. Deuteronomy 21 verses 22 and 23. Listen to what it says. If a man hath committed a sin worthy of death and he be put to death and thou hang him on a tree. Verse 23. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree but thou shalt in any ways bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. He that is hanged Is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Talk about an imprecatory prayer. Talk about imprecatory scriptures. They thought Christ to be vile, and he was despised and rejected of men, and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. They called him accursed. Because he was hung on a tree. And Peter is saying to them. You know the vileness of the act that was done to him. You know the very thing that you called for. That the Romans would act out upon him. You know what it says in the word. You know the hatred behind it. You know the very devastation to the very man behind that. Peter was really pointing them out. Here's your sin. And here's his death and you did it on him. For he was hanged in a tree as accursed of God. Notice they wanted him to be taken down of the cross. Remember, they said, take him down quickly. They wanted him out of the road. And Peter says, you know what that meant. You know the implication behind that. You know the thrust behind these scriptures. You know it. So they were hating. They were hostile. Friend, if you would know what Christ done on the cross and what he took, Christian, you and I would be unashamed at all times of him. And they were right in a sense because Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, he became a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. You see, God dealt with him as he should have dealt with us. And God dealt with him as he raised him from the dead. And God dealt with him. He exalted him to his right hand. And then there was a resurrection Acts 5 and 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Listen, people seen him and Peter the Holy Ghost raised them up. The apostles at with him, the disciples seen him and Peter talked with him. The God of our fathers. So now Peter's drawing into a common ground. The God of our fathers. If you're his, if you're Abraham's seed, then you'll understand. Listen, let me run through this. I'm coming to a close. Thank you. Acts 13 and 3. The God, pardon me, Acts 3 and 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Peter's saying this. Pilate wanted to let him go, and he just wanted him dead. Pilate wanted to let him go, and you wanted him dead. Listen, the God of our fathers. In the scriptures, in Genesis 31 and 13, he's called the God of Bethel. Exodus 24 and 10, he's called the God of Israel. Numbers 16 and 22, he's called the God of the spirits of all flesh. In 2 Samuel, chapter 22 and verse 47, he's called the God of the rock of my salvation. In 2 Kings, chapter 20 and verse 5, he's called the God of David. In Ezra chapter 20, pardon me, 5 and verse 11, he's called the God of heaven and earth. Psalm 29 and 3, the God of glory. Psalm 42 and 8, the God of my life. Psalm 43 and 2, the God of my strength. Psalm 59 and 17, the God of mercy. Psalm 136 and verse 2, the God of gods, small g. Isaiah 54 and 5, the God of the whole earth. Isaiah 65 and 16, he's called the God of truth. Jeremiah 31 and 1, he's called the God of all the families of Israel. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, he's called the God of all flesh. In Jeremiah 38 and verse 17, he's called the God of hosts. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28, he's called the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 26, he's called the God of Daniel. In Daniel 11 and 38, he's called the God of forces. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17, he's called the God of judgment. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 27, he's called the God of the living. Romans 15 and 5, he's called the God of patience and comfort, pardon me, consolation. In Romans 15 and 13, he's called the God of hope. Romans 15 and 33, he's called the God of peace. Second Corinthians 1 and 3, he's called the God of all comfort. Second Corinthians 13 and 11, he's called the God of love and peace. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 he's called the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and in 1 Peter 5 and 10 he's called the God of all grace. The God of our fathers raised him up. The God of our fathers raised him up. You slew him and you hanged him on the tree. You won't even mention his name. He died. Acts 5 and 31. Him hath God exalted with the right hand to be a prince and saviour. Notice, to be a prince and saviour for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Notice prince's royalty. Saviour was what he came to do. Repentance of sins for to give is grace. Repentance is mercy. And Christ came to save us. To give grace to us. To show mercy to us. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. That's justification. To make it just as if you'd never sinned. Here's what I'm going to say in closing. In Leviticus 25 and verse 10. You shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Peter is saying this after the day of Pentecost. 50 days after, after Calvary. The day of Pentecost. 50. 50 is the number of Jubilee. God sent the Holy Ghost. And what Peter is saying is this. You're hostile toward me. You're hostile towards Christ. And you're hostile to the word of God. And God wants to save you. Ulster, God wants to save you. UK, Britain, God wants to save you. And you're hostile to him. No matter what side of the fence you're on. You're hostile to him. Christ came and gave his life. Became not accursed for you. That you would not be accursed from God. And Peter finishes with saying. We are his witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Ghost. I want to say this. This is me finished. The Holy Ghost is witness. To what Christ has done. And the Holy Ghost is witness here tonight to what I've preached. Usual are all witnesses. The Holy Ghost is the witness too. And he has witnessed what has been said and he has witnessed your heart and your amen. And I trust should the day get darker and when the day gets harder, that witness will be still with you. when you're going to have to really cry unto God to spare our people and to spare this land, to spare our nation, to spare our families. He came to give repentance unto Israel and the forgiveness of sins. May God witness what has been said tonight For the glory of his name. Amen.